Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer as we begin. Heavenly Father, we just thank You just for this, this season of Thanksgiving, although as Christians, it's every day. But Lord, we just pause to give You thanks for Your goodness and mercy and for Your salvation and all the things that You're doing in our lives and, and Your hand is upon each one of us. And Lord, we just lift up those who are not feeling well. We, we pray for, for Scott. We know uh, he's not feeling well. We just ask Your healing hand be upon him. And maybe there's others as well. We pray for those that are traveling during this holiday time that You give them traveling mercies. And, and more than anything else, Lord, I just pray right now our hearts can be quiet before You and just uh, hear what Your Word has for us. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you have your Bibles and you turn to Colossians chapter 1, we're going to do a, a little Thanksgiving message today. And I'm just going to read verses 3 through 8 to you, starting with Colossians chapter 1, verse 3 through 8. It says, We give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven of which you previously heard in the word of heard in the word of truth the gospel which has come to you just as in all the world also it is constantly bearing fruit and increasing even as it has been doing in you since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of god in truth just as you learned it from epaphras our beloved fellow bondservant who is a faithful servant of christ on our behalf and he also informed us of your love in the spirit so we're going to talk a little bit about being thankful. Paul talks about being thankful for the church. And the word, the Hebrew word, and I won't pronounce it because I don't know how to pronounce it. It's spelled H-O-D-A with a little apostrophe with an A and an H on it. And it also is the same word that is used for confession. So it means gratitude and it also means confession. And so to offer thanks is to confess our dependence on God and acknowledge that others in our lives are here to benefit us as well and to admit that our life is better because of God and people that are in our lives. That mindset is indispensable to civilized society. But when it comes to circumstances, you ever been through a circumstance? If you're living, you have. But through all the circumstances of life and what happens to us each day, how do we respond to that? Do we respond with gratitude? Do we respond with grit? Or do we respond by being a grouch? Now, I'm going to give you a little quiz. And you only have to pick A, B, or C. But then I want you to keep track of how many A's, how many B's, how many C's. I think I have four questions. So it shouldn't be too difficult. So, the first question, which I think is on the screen. You're in the 20-item cash-only line at Walmart, and you're two cans of green beans and one can of Campbell's Cream of Mushroom Soup and a fresh $20 bill from your ATM machine in your hand, but the person in front of you has 30 items and a checkbook in their back pocket. How do you respond? Here's your choices. 
Do you respond with gratitude for the green bean bake your family will enjoy when you get back home? Or do you grit your teeth and wonder if the guy ahead of you failed both math and reading in school? Or do you yell at the cashier, yelling checkout line violation? 15 items, 15 items. Pick A, B, or C on that. The next one. You receive a letter from the IRS stating you will soon be receiving a $1,000 refund on your tax return. How do you respond? With gratitude that you live in America, the land of the free, the home of the brave? Or do you grit your teeth about the other 10000 you paid in taxes last year? Or do you rip the letter to shreds while demanding more? So how you doing so far? Third question. You're driving your children to school. As you drop them off, the car in front of you decides to just park there. Trapping you in the school parking lot. I heard some ooze on that. How, did you re how do you respond? <laughs> do you look out the window and give thanks for this time to stop and smell the roses, the car fumes, or do you grab the steering wheel tighter as steam comes out of your ears? Or do you honk your horn continuously until you have alerted everyone in the school and your children <laughs> to run and hide? A, B, or C? Last question. You're watching your football team play on Sunday and they win by a touchdown in a close game. How do you respond? Next year, how do we respond? Um, stand up and start singing, Oh, when the Saints go marching in, or do you wring your hands and worry over the game next week? Or do you begin calling all the sports radio stations complaining about how they should have won by three touchdowns? Now, do you have your total? You answered A, B, or C on all those, right? So your response is probably determined by your circumstance or your character. So here's the here's this the key to this. If you had all B's for your answer, you need to take a break and chill out and relax a little bit, okay? If you had all C's, you need therapy. And if you had all A's, you might as well do the message here today. Okay? But probably all of us are in the mixture that we had a mixture of A, B's, and C's. And that's probably who we are. Because I'm not surprised that we're probably a little more grateful when life is better for us than when life isn't as good. That just tends to be how we are as humans. But where we're headed is we should be able to respond in gratitude to no matter what life throws at us. And so as we look at this passage of Scripture, talking about thanksgiving and sharing that thankful and grateful attitude with each person around us that we run in, in the faith, especially for the believers. Because I believe that we have a great group of people here. And as we look around, we should be thankful for the ones that we have in the fellowship here and thankful for our community of what's going on. But if we look at this passage, 
In Colossians chapter, uh, the, the scripture that we did here, starting with verse 3, verses 3 and 4, it says, We give thanks to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints. Now this passage here, I want you to understand that it's not just a letter from Paul to the church at Colossae, but it's written, written for all the believers that were in that town. Paul was excited about the church there. And he, wasn't, he was excited about it. He didn't plant the church. In fact, he never really even went to Colossae. But he was excited because in spite of him not being there and not being able to be there, they heard the message of the Gospel. And they not only heard it, but they responded. And they were growing and they were maturing in their faith. Paul was excited about that. He, over and over, he talks about how excited he is. And so I want us to think about what Paul is writing in those verses 3 and 4. He's thankful to this particular church at Colossae. Have you ever just fell on your knees and thanked the Lord that you're part of the fellowship, that you have believers around you? And you're so excited about that? A lot of times, we get caught up into the complaining and the fussing and the fuming and things don't go our way and, and all of that, and, and we fail to see that we have a, a loving group of people that we can be so thankful for that are praying for us, seeing us through circumstances of life. That's good. And I want to, I guess I want you to know that it's a great honor and a privilege that you guys have placed your faith in Christ because that's the main thing. That we're believers. And together, we celebrate what God has done for us. What God is doing in our lives and what God is going to do. We get excited about that. And we should be excited at what God's doing in each one of our lives. It's not just all about us. Individually, it's about us as a group of believers. So Paul was so excited that their faith was real, that their faith was evident in the way that they lived their lives. But he was really excited that they were loving one another in the fellowship. In John 13, verses 34 and 35, the commandment that God set forth there, Jesus said, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love, if you have love for one another. So that's our, really the first thing this morning. Are we excited about the fellowship of believers here that we're loving one another the way God would want us to love? If we go to verses 5 and 6, Paul reveals the true nature of his excitement. He says, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you, just as in all the world also it is constantly bearing fruit and increasing, even as it has been doing in you also since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God in truth. So now Paul is revealing the true nature of why he is so excited about this particular body of believers. He's continually sharing with them about the superb character of salvation. The salvation in which they had received. 
Paul understood and he shared with these believers about the incredible things that would lay ahead for them as they put their faith and trust in Christ. They had accepted the message of the Gospel. And I don't know about you, but I don't think there's anything in life that could thrill us so much as someone accepting the Gospel message of Christ. Many times we forget that we're gathering together with this common bond that our treasures are up in heaven together. We should shout at the top of our lungs. We should say we, we should rejoice with the Lord that we're all believers in Christ. Heaven awaits us. The problem is, I think a lot of times we take that part of our Christian life for granted. We look at heaven as something. But sometimes we've let the joy of our salvation suffer. How many of you ever met an angry Christian? Have you ever met one that's just never happy at a time? There's not a joyful bone in their body? Well, I'm just glad God saved me. Guess he didn't have anything else to do. Well, praise the Lord. I don't know why, but I'm supposed to do it. Aren't they just exciting to be around? Don't you say, I just love to be around those people? Well, that's crazy. We have joy. We have the joy of our salvation. We should be excited. Joy in our heart. But how does that happen? How does the joy of our salvation stay joyful? Now, I might step on a few toes here. If you're only a Christian on Sunday morning, you're going to have a rough go with your joy of your salvation. The way that we have that joy of salvation is we not only come together as a group of believers and rejoice and share what God has done in our lives and is doing and all that stuff, but we got to individually be in God's Word. we got to be in contact. we got to have a relationship with Him. And we got to be growing in our faith. That's not going to happen if you just come here on Sunday morning to be a Christian. Because if you come in this door here, just because we call it church, it doesn't make you a Christian. When you get in your car and drive, it doesn't make you a car. Right? So Paul was thrilled with these this church at Colossae because they were action-oriented. They had, they had a joy of their salvation. They had a joy when they could share that salvation with other people in the community. We have a privilege as Christians to be able to share what God has done in our lives and is doing. So Paul was thrilled to reveal his excitement about this fellowship. But then if you look at verses 7 and 8, he was thrilled. He says, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our, our, be our beloved fellow bondservant, who is a faithful servant of Christ on our behalf, he also informed, informed us of your love in the Spirit. I was going to have everyone say Epaphras together, but I thought that might sound a little weird. Epaphras was the leader of the church. We don't know who started this church, but we do know that this man named Epaphras was leading it in some way. 
He probably didn't start it. But but Paul describes him as a man who was a faithful minister of the Gospel of Christ. He says he was a fellow bondservant to Christ. He He had basically surrendered all of who he was so that he could lead the church and help these Christians grow. And Paul has sent a glowing report. He he understands what's going on. And he talks about how we need to encourage Epaphras as he leads this congregation. And so Paul lets his congregation know he's kind of proud of these guys. His church is growing. They have a love for Christ. The joy of their salvation is spreading to all the community. Because Paul understood too how fragile a new church can be sometimes. And so Paul was wanting this fellowship to succeed in ways that God would want it to be. He's thankful to God for their salvation. He's thankful to God for their growing spiritual maturity. And he had an encouragement and a spiritual boost for these believers to say, keep growing in your faith. So sometimes, we're maybe not as thankful as we should be. We might not be as thankful as we should be to Christ, but sometimes we're not as thankful as we should be to one another. It's kind of like the lady in a church. You know, you know the one I'm speaking about, right? The lady who complained about everything and complained to everybody all the time. And finally, the pastor found out that she had a potato crop that was the best that had ever been done. It was the best in all of the community. In all the years, this was the best one. And he says, I've got it now. She can't complain. And so he says to her, for once you must be pleased because... Your potato crop is the best of anything around. And she glared right at the pastor. And she said, the crop's not so bad, but I have no rotten potatoes to give to the pigs. Instead of being grateful, she was grouchy. Instead of realizing her great blessing, She just kind of took it for granted. Basically, she was saying, I always have good potatoes, but I want more. I'm not satisfied. So we need to be thankful at all times. And I guess the challenge for all of us is, let's encourage one another a little bit more. Be thankful for one another. And I mentioned it in Sunday school. We talked about prayer this morning. Pray for one another. Go through the directory. Get everybody's names down. Pray for everybody every day. We should have maybe done the thankful thoughts after the service. But I trust everyone will have a great Thanksgiving but realize we're giving thanks to God for all that He's done in our lives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You this morning for just all that You are, all that You've done and are doing in our lives. And Lord, I pray this morning if there's anyone here that does not know You, 
Lord, I just pray that they can surrender their life to You right now and today. Lord, I just pray again for all the ones traveling. I pray for this week of Thanksgiving that it won't just be this week, but it will be the rest of our lives that we'll be thankful in all things. And again, I just thank You for this body of believers and just pray that You bless each one. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.